this week's VFX show, our special Oscars predictor with uh, my regular guest, Matt Wallen. How are you, Matt? Uh, I'm really good. And uh, our guest, uh, now a bit of a regular feature every year we do this with uh, Todd. Todd Basari, how are you, Todd? I'm doing great. How are you, Mike? Good. So each year, for those of you who don't know, uh, we get Todd along to discuss the uh, run-up to the Oscars. We do this for two reasons. One, because he's a heck of a nice guy. But secondly, because uh, for a number of years now, he and his wife, and I don't want to not give your wife credit, uh, have been yes. putting together a uh, mathematical predictor of who will win the Oscars based on the voting patterns that this academy has done in previous years. It's not like you're going out and polling people this year with a phone poll or anything. That being said, Todd has been remarkably accurate. So we're in a minute going to discover what... Um, what he came up with. But I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but this year, Todd, pre the Predictinator, actually ran a pre-Oscars uh, Predictinator anxiety thing, which uh, basically uh, was a whole new dimension to his level of uh, doubt and uncertainty over how things were going to go. Tell us about that, Todd. What was that? Oh, sure. Oh, that was an extremely scientific uh, chart and graph that I love to do. No, um, <laughs> it, it basically I because I, I knew going into this year, this is before the Bake Off uh, was even announced, like which 10 films were going into the Bake Off. And uh, just looking at the field going, oh, I don't know. Is there a, is there a dis you know, distinct front runner this year? How is this going to work? Which is the predictor going to choose and how accurate is it going to be? So I kind of figured... Things were getting, I was getting a little nervous. And then I was like, yeah, let's try to track the last few years of the Predictinator and how anxious I was and, and how accurate I thought the Predictinator would be. And well, Avatar, the, the, the first year of the Predictinator was 2009, and that was the year we predicted Avatar. And, they, you know, I, I, I felt pretty confident about that one. Uh, the next year was Inception that we predicted, and I was, I was feeling pretty good. It wasn't a slam dunk like Avatar. Uh, the Hugo year, I was extremely nervous about. I think we even did a podcast right before that one. Um, and uh, so that, that level of anxiety was pretty high. And then things got a little easier with Life of Pi and Gravity. But then, you know, this year, looking at the, uh, the, the contenders for the Bake Off and then eventually for the Oscar, I, I didn't know what would be considered the front runner, if there would be a slam dunk, what would the numbers say, you know. I So my, my anxiety was was at, not nearly as high as Hugo, but if I knew then what I know now, it would have been uh, off the chart. <laughs> I, was, I was actually at the VES Awards, and I sat down with Rob Legato and told him that you'd predicted Hugo, and that was the first time he'd heard that. Of course, he knew what you'd done in the past, so I felt like I was telling him the winner of the Oscar, right? <laughs> he was like, really? <laughs> I was like, yep, and I think for like, for that, it was a moment where he was like, well, that's interesting. Might have to pay a little more attention to the, uh, to the acceptance script. Um, but uh, Rob, being a gentleman, of course, was uh, very uh, respectful to the other films. Now, I should say that in November, I did something a uh, little similar to this. I did our top 10 special effects films of 2014 uh, for Wired magazine. And my top three in that order, working up, was Interstellar, uh, then Guardians, and then Apes. So I said at that time, and it in fairness, that was before, um, let's see, Night of the Museum 3 had come out and The Hobbit had come out and, for that matter, I think The Last Hunger Games. But I said at that time, right. out of that mix, um, that's going to be the 10 that go to the Bake Off. And in fact, with the exception that, uh, that some of those films did get in the Bake Off, I predicted the top 10. But the point yeah. is the top three are the top three going into the race that I think most people would have as the kind of front runners, right? Interstellar guardians and apes and certainly i would have said and i'd be interested in what you'd have said matt 
that going in pre the Todd research, we would have said it's an apes interstellar battle. Would you have said that? Uh, I, I mean, I could have seen apes and, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would have put interstellar in the mix only because I, I think it, I, I just don't know that it had the same, I, I, and maybe it's my, it's, it's probably my own personal bias, but I guess that's kind of what you're asking me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I guess it's, yeah, I, I think I would have said, um, apes and either probably guardians or, um, or, or captain America. Um, I don't know that I would have put Interstellar uh, at the at the top of my list. I think that would have been closer to the um, the the not maybe not the bottom of the grouping, but maybe um, closer to the bottom than at the top. Well, now I put I put Captain America down on the list, and the reason I did is that I think both as a an impression of last year's visual effects and as the way the Academy votes, uh, digital characters figure significantly. And so I really felt last year that digital characters were delivering amazing film-carrying performances. And so I just felt in that there was this kind of wave of um, digital characters. And you'd look at Captain America and you'd say, well, there's a lot of destruction sims, but we've seen that before. It's great modeling, but it's more of what we've seen before. I'm not saying that's true or even a fair characterization, but for the Academy, they'd go, well, you've seen one of these flying heli thingy thingies with the things in that other film and now you've got three of them well maybe you just copied and pasted it twice in a naive kind of view of the fact that ILM wouldn't have had to have gone back and had completely redid them the way they did so I I discounted Captain America down for that reason which is also why I put Interstellar at number three because uh, while the it's remarkable in its visual effects and accuracy of the way light would work with black holes I just didn't think that was going to resonate with the Academy but anyway that was my it's 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 funny you say that because, like, in one of the criteria of our uh, predictinator is, you know, like a sequel score, and right. which, which basically, you know, over the years, sequels have had a harder time uh, winning the Oscar than non-sequels. And there's a basically what I'm trying to track there is a been there, done that attitude of the average Academy voter. And to your point, like the average Academy voter, which are you know six thousand strong. Yep. Uh, mainly retired actors, uh, overwhelmingly white. Um, the 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 average Academy voter might look at Captain America to go, oh, you know, the work might have been really great, great movie, but is this just more Avengers yeah. type work? Uh, been there, done sure. that. And to your point about Interstellar, you know, they just gave the Oscar to Gravity last year. Yeah, the space stuff looked great, beautiful, but maybe maybe been there, done that. And I, did, I think it was more than that. I think it was like, for me, the Gravity f- campaign pitched very much around an actor in space. The Interstellar mm-hmm. effects pitches very much around scientific visualization in space, which doesn't mm-hmm. tend to have the same sex appeal to a, um, well, <laughs> as my good friend uh, Jason Wingrove said, to the pool attendant of the Academy votee who actually fills out the form. Um, but, but if I can be less cynical for a second, it just didn't seem that it would capture their imagination. Um, but then you have to ask, uh, and I guess Matt, this is something I'd like you to answer. What do you think the Academy is actually rewarding? Like, do you think they're rewarding originality? They're recording re- an emotional response. Like, what do you think that is that, that tugs that the voters kind of, uh, central bias? I, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, 
I, I hate to sound cynical too, but I sometimes do think it's, it's, it's more whimsy than anything, you know, like I think, um, you know, it's hard, it's so hard to say, it's so hard to, um, project. I know that at least with regards to the, the visual effects award, right. It's just the visual effects branch. Is it not? Or is it the entire, um, Group no, the full votes. Academy votes for the winner. Yeah. Full so Academy it's just for the, the big winner. Okay. See, that's why we've often right. said that getting into the nominees list has such significance in this category because yep, right, it's right. basically peer assessment. After that, it is um, not a popularity competition, but it's a, a less industry specific, less industry, I guess, informed vote because it's not practitioners of the visual then it does seem like it does seem then largely like it would come down to to popularity in that regard i mean i think you know there have been really weird at least from my perspective kind of like wild card years in that category like the year that um uh what was the one with the uh the polar bears with the uh compass golden compass yeah the golden the year the golden compass one i thought was such a, a at least from my perspective, it was really a, a big surprise, you know, but at the same time, um, uh, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's something that's, it's so difficult to, uh, predict, which is, I think what's so cool about what, what Todd and, uh, but I think his the, wife are doing. Yeah, the other thing that's really interesting though, is you say it's popularity and, and I've definitely used that expression myself, but they don't tend to reward popularity in other categories. It's, it's absolutely not the case that you go into best picture uh, being a favorite if you're the most popular film of the year. I mean, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, try and find a multiplex popular culture, you know, film that's going to get in that category. It's nearly always a more obscure, more worthy pieces. Certainly not comedies, um, smaller films with strong acting performances. That's you know, tends to be. It's just in the visual effects category, they seem to do reward big and, you know, yeah, popular. Yeah. Well, they also want to make it feel like, as particularly with the visual effects uh, vote, their their ballot, they want to choose a film that is the the classy choice and one that they'll feel good about voting. They are not going to reward a film that uh, maybe took a lot of risks that may have failed in certain ways. I mean, you look down the list of the of the Oscar winners. That's one that the the typical Academy voter felt like was the classy choice. And, and to, you know, I would also say there is no way to divorce this, this proceeding with, with uh, cynicism. It's all about cynicism. I mean, sure. I've come up with a formula <laughs> that basically tells you exactly how they're going to vote down to the <laughs> science. I mean, maybe not this year. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically positing that a combination of various quantifiable aspects of how a film performed in, informs how uh, the the typical Academy voter will will actually vote. So, so at this point, yeah, we should reveal cynical. we should reveal what you've predicted for this year's Academy Awards. Yeah, it was the it was the tightest race in terms of n the numeric uh, numbers, the point values that I give. It was the tightest race since two thousand seven when the Golden Compass beat. Uh, Transformers and Pirates 3. Oh, so right. the number one point value earner was Guardians of the Galaxy. And behind it was Interstellar. And then right behind that was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And further down uh, was X-Men Days of Futures Past. And leading the uh, rounding out the pack was Captain America 2. Huh. Interesting. So, so if I went in those top three... Uh, 
in my order. It's almost like sort of the uh, well, no, it's not the flip of me, right? Because I I had uh, Interstellar at number three, but I definitely had Guardians at two and Dawn at one. You're saying Guardians at one, and yeah. and Apes down at three. Now, here's the thing: the the question <laughs> the question is, how did you get to that? And some of these things we we brought up, how did you kind of weight them? So let's let's have a sort of a, a swing at those. We don't have to go through it in my my sort of microscopic detail, but I think it's worth sure. you know stating there there are a basket of things that you're taking into account. You say cynical, but you know it's a sensible basket. <laughs> um, you've named one of them already, whether it's a sequel, and I, I actually yeah. think that is one of the biggest contention points this year, which is to say I'm not a hundred percent sure how much we aren't getting desensitized to the sequel thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't get a lot of vibe this year that people were looking at Dawn of Planet of the Apes as more of the last Planet of the Apes film. It's, it literally wasn't like as many sequels it used to be, playing the same jokes a second time around and not quite, as, not quite as well. It was like a different sort of film, much more told from the apes' point of view in the forest. It was just a different vibe than the first one, which much more felt like a, there was an ape in a human environment. Now there was a human in an ape environment. Now, whether that would make any difference because uh, or not, I don't know. But Guardians wins points, doesn't it, for not being a sequel? Correct. I, you know, just de- you know, from the historical data, sequels fare uh, poorly in the Oscar race. But in terms of the uh, you know the sequelness of of uh, Planet of the Apes, I was talking after I published the article uh, a few days ago. I was talking to an Academy voter from the visual effects branch. And we were talking about how I was surprised uh, that Guardians have made it up to the top and that I was positing that maybe there is a bit of uh, maybe there will be a bit of been there, done that attitude amongst Academy voters. And maybe that's why they won't necessarily vote for uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And he responded with, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's a good point. I mean, a few years ago, you know, it did win the Oscar and the whole Andy Serkis discussion and all that stuff. And I, st- I had this huge grin on my face and I'm like, you just proved my point. You know, the you think the, the original the first previous film won the Oscar. It did not. <laughs> the Hugo beat it. And he's like, oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, you see, I would go the other way and argue that Guardians falls in the Marvel sequencing of films. And while it wasn't in of itself a sequel, it felt part of a series of films. In other words, I would, I would water down how sequely Apes felt. And I would say that there's a hint of sequel in Guardians in that uh, it just feels like part of a continuing Marvel universe. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. No Thor, no Iron Man, no uh, Captain America running around. I don't know. It felt pretty uh, on its own. I mean, I know its place in the in the Marvel Universe, but to most audiences, I would argue that it was a fresh, new set of characters that they'd never even heard of maybe going into the theater that day. Um, but there, there's a little bit of, you know, I don't know. That, that Academy voter thought they even gave an Oscar to the, the last Apes film, so... I don't know. Let's both agree, though, that the <laughs> the thing that that uh, that we I'm sure do agree on is that both apes and guardians had really really good character work. 
I'm going to, you know, once again, I have to separate from my predictions and what I'm saying that the 6,000 Academy voters are, you know, what I think they're going to vote for with deserve and honor. And I would say they're, this, the work on all, all of these films are just outrageously uh, impressive. I mean, think about the films that didn't even get to make the bake-off this oh, year. Yeah. I mean, the work in Noah, the work in um, Edge of Tomorrow, I mean, some really, really fantastic work didn't even make the bake-off. But, so, but character work does feature in um, your scoring, right? I mean, it gets points. Yes, Those if, two films uh, get points for if, character. Absolutely. And they're the only two out of the five that, um, that get a point for um, if the primary visual effects are character animation. And then along with that are, is their facial acting. Uh, involved uh, with uh, with the character animation, and they both scored points for those. Captain America, Interstellar, and X Men did not qualify for those. Yeah, yeah. So, so definitely on that side of things, we've got strength going with those films. What do you think's um, uh, pushing Guardians over the top? Then, what is it that's making Guardians stand out, even be it by a hair's breadth over the others? <laughs> Well, uh, a couple things. One, um, this year, unlike most years, all five VFX Academy Award nominees were really well-reviewed films. Usually we have two or three you know, highly regarded movies and then a couple ones that the critics absolutely did not like. That was not the case this year. All five films uh, scored very high in the tomato meter, which is the uh, amalgamation of uh, critics yep. around the country. Um, and in fact, the lowest uh, critical acclaim went to Interstellar at 72%, which is extremely respectable. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy had the highest, was tied with X-Men with 91%. So that combined with box office, Guardians did, I mean, all five films did very, very well. Um, Guardians was the top earner of the five and, in fact, uh, was the top earner of 2014 in the United States up until, I think, yesterday when uh, Hunger Games just edged it out. But at the time, it was the, the number one movie of the year, and of the five VFX nominees, it was the number one movie by far. Uh, the next one down was Captain America, and I think it was like $70 million less. Again... These five movies were no slouches. Interstellar earned uh, $189 million in the United States. Pretty big hit. So, but it was the least earning of the five. Add to that that those categories, um, the way we uh, weight them in the predictinator, the formula itself, they're relative to one another. It's like grading on a curve. So if you're the lowest um, earner or the, had the lowest critical acclaim, you get hit hard. And if you're the highest, you get a lot of points. Right. So, uh, you know, Guardians, uh, that combined with the character animation uh, aspects of it and not being a sequel, put it over the top. It also got something for MOR, which is that month of release. Mm -hmm. So that's, exactly. that's the, the, rewarding it's, it's like later the, in the year, right? Yeah, it's the classic thing where Academy voters have a, a limited... Uh, uh, memory memory span <laughs> and the we and we found this to be true going through the data that the films that were released later in the year had a better chance of winning and it wasn't the last film of the calendar year but it was the second to last uh, film of the calendar year to be released out of the five yeah yeah I mean I'm thinking if you discounted month of release and the sequel score that 
there's almost nothing in it between apes and guardians. But yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to do a disservice to the other two. I mean, Matt, what do you think? I mean, uh, do you feel like, um, uh, from your point of view, that the that particular films have sort of a momentum in the sort of you know discussions you've been having with friends, and because there is a sort of a sense of films having a momentum being in the kind of consciousness and in the discussion and just around the net and stuff. It, I've seen quite a bit of stuff on X-Men, a lot more than I'm seeing on, say, Captain America, but uh, a heck of a lot more on, on Guardians and Dawn. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, and I, I guess my feeling about it, and in terms of, you know, friends of mine that I talk to, um, I you know, I think I maybe we're kind of in a, a, a rarefied group in a way, I think in terms of the way in which if we try to project our minds into the, the minds of the average Academy voter, you know, as visual effects, you know, practitioners, it's something I read. And a lot of what I hear people saying is just that people are just excited uh, to see the films that get nominated and not even really the films so much as, you know, some of the individuals who are singled out, you know, I, having been a, a former uh, ILMer, you know, like it was, it's really fun to see, um, you know, a, a guy like um, a, who I remember working with, um, you know, in a trailer in between uh, C building and uh, <laughs> E building, I think um, Russell Earl being nominated um, on the team for Captain America Winter Soldier. And, you know, uh, and then, you know, guys like uh, Eric Winquist uh, on Planet of the Apes and, you know, sort of seeing people who maybe um, I'm not sure if I, I can't think if they've been nominated before, but just seeing names that maybe are sort of newer names, like some, you know, younger, um, <laughs> if you consider in your 40s younger, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, young, younger guys uh, getting their names up there in sort of the top spot um, and seeing that they've sort of, you know, risen through the ranks and are now um, sort of at the apex of uh, the industry is really exciting. And those are the things, at least from an industry sort of insider perspective that I hear more of. I don't really hear people sort of talking about the horse race part of it in terms of, you know, what was better. There's always the you know, individual shot or sequence or technique or something where, you know, certainly people talk about the great work that was done uh, in Apes um, at Weta. You hear a lot of people talking about that. But then, you know, I hear so many people talk about, uh, in particular, the one uh, sequence, is it, uh, who's that character? Is it Quicksilver? Or yep, in the, the, X-Men. In X-Men. And, yep. you know, that sequence still i hear people still talking about oh you know it, the fact that that film's even in the race you know um this having come out so much earlier it seems to be really suggestive of the fact that that uh sequence really stands out in people's minds people really remember that a lot so you know i feel like it's such a mixed bag oh um in terms of uh, X-Men, I just wanted to, uh, you know, my personal feeling is that when I saw that movie and uh, Quicksilver, that sequence started and the, just the build up to his powers. And then when that when his sequence began in that kitchen where he he basically froze time and the mm -hmm. time in a bottle song started, that was absolutely extraordinary. Just from from the shot design, from the, the pacing, the the music choice the the breath of of fresh air that was just an amazing really cool sequence and you could see how uh, apparently at the bake off they played it in its uh, entirety 
for the X-Men um, Days of Future Past uh, reel, which was, a, I think, a very smart choice. And, and uh, it, just that sequence on its own from a, from a construction point of view. Uh, well, there's I so much Earth. kind of humor injected into yeah, it, too, which I yeah. think is what kind of also makes it, it's, it's just, it's fun. On top I, of I would say else, two things really about fun. that, though. I would say, firstly, the sequence in the future when they're battling, and they're using, you know, the portal stuff and the mm-hmm. ice and that. That was a really well done sequence. It's it's testament to how strong the, the Quicksilver sequence is that you kind of forget about that future sequence because that future sequence was really well choreographed and I thought just spectacularly good. The second thing yeah, I'd say is point. X-Men as a film would be vastly better if in the last act Quicksilver had come back because basically uh, you've got this whole thing that plays out on the White House lawn and he's seeing it on TV, so he could be there in a flash. I mean, I think if that had been a Marvel film, like a, like they did with many of the other films, they would have gone back and realized they had a gem there in that sequence and just introduced him for the third act, and it would have been, a, you know, an even stronger film. I feel like we, you know, it was so it's such a new thing, and we'd seen Magneto and the other, you know, characters do their stuff before that. Uh, I feel like that was a huge wasted opportunity. I'd love to have seen them do more to- of that in the third act. Totally agreed. I mean, th- that that was such a crescendo. The, the the sequence earlier in the film, and then basically, like two scenes later, they're like, "You're you're a wild card. We can't trust you. You're crazy. Uh, see you later." And they put him in a cab and they <laughs> send him off. It's like, oh, really? It, it obviously <laughs> wasn't the case, but it was almost like, "Hey, this kid's out <laughs> acting me on the screen." Piss off! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not having the I'm not having the kid and the dog stealing the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously that wasn't the case. Um, yeah, so full credit to Rising Sun Pictures who did that sequence, and honestly, it is the standout shot from that from that film. Um, let's just actually discuss that for a second because Captain America. I have a feeling I say this because I'm sure it's not true. Is ILM and primarily ILM? I'm sure there were some other people that helped out ILM. Dawn, it feels like it's you know, wetter. Guardians feels like it's a whole bunch of people. Interstellar feels very much like it's uh, coming from uh, double negative. Double negative. Yeah. And then X-Men feels like a whole bunch of people. Is that kind of your vibe on the on the houses? Because of course, the nominees are for the individuals that are the supervisors and not in any way the companies, but it is a collaborative art form. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, that's... that's... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, that's my, that's my, that would be my interpretation. For sure, but but what's funny is that I think even in the in the cases of um, uh, X Men and um, uh, Guardians, like you know where it does feel like it's sort of you know a little bit more um, spread out in terms of the um, companies that worked on it, it still feels like both of those projects have a fairly cohesive um, and sort of tightly wound up um, sense of. Uh, the visual effects work and so yeah, it, no, doesn't, no, I, it doesn't I, feel like they suffer in no no regard. not at all except the only thing I was going to say is that means that three of the five films are much more a single house than because mm-hmm. like, we were getting to a state that every film was you know seven or eight houses contributing but it, for my money it you know notwithstanding that I'm sure there were some other people that contributed you've got you know ILM, Wetter and Deneg, obviously three spectacularly good houses each putting up, you know, really, really good work. I mean, the modeling in Captain America is just spectacularly good. The character pipeline um, and uh, stuff that Weta does is, I think, the best in the world. And then Interstellar is such a long-standing relationship. It's so great to see such great work coming out of a team that consistently has the uh, trust of a director, as, and I think Christopher Nolan's really, really good. 
So it's, uh, you know, the time and time again, we've admired the work coming out of Double Negative. So that's really good. I take nothing away from those uh, facilities that are working more collaboratively, but it isn't as if the whole industry has gone to no film now can be done by one house uh, or to, to compete, you have to have uh, multiple houses. Now, the individual shots, I mean, as I say, that one sequence we've been talking about from X-Men is uh, Rising Sun and pretty much just Rising Sun as I understand it. Um, mm -hmm. and good, good luck to them. But uh, I think the stuff in Guardians we haven't discussed is uh, Groot and uh, Rocket, and we'd be remiss if we didn't highlight those because if there was something that stood out for me in Guardians, it was just how much I actually cared about a raccoon when before the film came out, you know, a year before, I was like, there is no way I'm going to go and see a tree and a talking raccoon and <laughs> this is going to be just the worst film. It's, you know, there's, there's them jumping the shark. How can you possibly care about a gun-toting raccoon and yet the character animation was just that good that i did wouldn't you agree matt oh totally i mean i you know just if i was to you know ring in in that um sort of in my most personal uh, sense about it you know and i feel like it's it's so boring almost to say this but i mean i really do feel like you know if the predictinator uh winds up predictinating correctly uh i i like i like it's um it's a vibe this year only in that I, for me, I think my favorite film, my favorite effects film of the year was guardians of the galaxy. And I almost feel like it's boring to say that it almost seems like it's sort of like, Oh yeah, everybody liked that movie. But uh, there were so <laughs> many things that I think were, that came together uh, from, um, you know, in terms of the, the movie as a, as a total sort of enterprise um, and, you know, sort of it's, it's humor or things that we talked about, I think on the previous show about it, but then, yeah, the character work and the overall effects, I thought, uh, including that huge uh, uh, open blue sky, uh, open air battle at the conclusion of the film, I think there was some really amazing work that was done in that as well. And um, it had such a wide variety of work for, you know, kind of a fantasy science fiction sort of, uh, you know, epic. I, I thought it, um, I don't know, for me, it really was, it, it, it is the one to beat. I think it has the most interesting, broadest range and most diverse and at times some of the most original looking work to it. It, fe it feels so, um, to my eye, it feels so different, the design language and then the overall execution. I, I totally wouldn't be upset if Guardians won, but I've got to say for me, the, the, Tour de force of the character animation in Apes was just second to none. I mean, there's just no way that film, you know, shouldn't have Weta as the sort of lead artist, as the sense of the lead, you know, contributor, can collaborator, the way that the lead actor is. Because the Apes are giving the performance. And as much as that is something that's sourced from the motion capture uh, performers, it's mm -hmm. Weta that's delivering that so that I care about these. I mean, you know, it's fully animated for, for minutes and minutes at a time of, and, and it's not just dialogue, it's, it's subtlety of layered performances with subtext that I'm reading in an acting sense across these uh, digital apes. I mean, I, I understand and I totally love Guardians. I would welcome it winning. I think, I think I'd pretty much welcome any of these films winning. But, yeah. but Apes for me is just such jaw-droppingly good work that uh, I still stand by uh, what I said before, which is if it was a personal vote from me and I was voting mm -hmm. for the Academy, I'd be voting me um, Apes one. Todd, if you were voting personally, just as yourself, nothing to do, well, you and your wife, <laughs> but if you're just voting <laughs> just for yourself and not in any way representative of anyone else or the, the predictinator, who would you put on number one on the ballot? Probably Apes. I mean, it is the, it is a remarkable, it is not 
just an iteration uh, um, beyond the previous film. The the work is absolutely astounding. It's it is the the quintessential. You're not thinking about the process at all that it took to put these to create these apes, emoting, being uh, being. Uh, foreboding being dangerous being uh submissive being what you're not at all considering even the professionals are maybe every once in a while in the sequence going how did they do that that's just crazy it's all part of the film and it blends into the film and it works so incredibly well and then you think back and go oh my gosh i was looking at 100 percent synthetic computer graphics that was amazing so that would probably be my vote. Um, that's probably, you know, and I think, uh, you know, those of us in visual effects, we, we, you know, we live in our own little bubble. And sure. we, <laughs> we, we talk about it and we, you know, all of us have had these same kind of discussions. Like, oh, my gosh, could you believe what they did? Could you believe that Interstellar used all those models and did all that stuff? And, and the visualization of the black holes and the, and the wormholes and all this stuff. I, it, it's just the, the design challenges behind the Tesseract uh, finale of Interstellar, how, how amazingly difficult and iterative like the, the, the process of that must have been to create It's one that of the most sequence. beautiful pieces of scientific visualizations anyone's ever put on the screen. I totally yeah. agree. But here's my so, thing. If, I would say this to both of you, right? If you think about the next film from each of the teams of these five, the one that excites me the most, and I don't mean the sequel, I mean like the next film that this team might tackle, whatever that subject would be, I'm most excited to see what the Apes Pipeline team will do with digital characters next. Like, in other words, I, I think Dean Egg will do great work. I think, uh, you know, ILM obviously going to do great work. I have no question about that. But I'm simply saying if, I, if you said to me, the team from Apes has now done Avatar 2, has now done whatever... Um, I would be the most excited to see what that Apes team has done because it feels like they have the juice and the trajectory to tackle the holy grail of, of digital actors on screen in a way. And so more than any other of those five, it's the team going on to the next one. I would give my marks to on Apes and, and that's to take nothing away from the others, but it's the one that just excites me the most. What will they do next? But Matt, would you agree or not? Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, when, when, you, when we talk about... Uh, the planet of the apes i think i totally concur i mean i think it's a it's incredible amazing work i guess i feel like it's my my recollection i i only saw the film the one time in the theater i haven't seen it again since then but i do remember um you know uh talking about the uh the apes and and the performances of the apes and the execution of the rendering of the the hair and we talked a lot about the um i believe it was the is it Maurice is the orangutan? Yep, and, yep. Is that correct? And, uh, you know, the success of that. But but there are things I remember from that film from a design standpoint and from some of the other effects that I remember talking about and being sort of critical of. There's a few shots that um, w felt kind of uh, sort of, you know, planar, like camera moves that felt kind of a little janky uh, in a couple places. And there was uh, a conversation about the female apes in the film and the way in which they were portrayed and designed and executed um, and the, the costuming and stuff. And so, you know, there were things that um, don't take away from the technical achievement, but that like I, I recall in, uh, in the previous conversation, I think thinking that there were um, things that uh, st stood out as maybe directorial or design choices that um, didn't feel as um, tightly 
wrapped as some of the the sort of more, maybe some of the more key um like you know battle sequences or like the opening uh, hunting sequence or something to that effect but yeah i mean i i'm i'm always excited to see you know what comes out of um the latest iteration of the pipeline at weta i can't deny it like i you know i'm super excited to see um you know ilm uh, getting back into uh, doing yet another Star Wars film, but something that's really kind of in their classic wheelhouse. You know, it's like it's really dialing in all the things that sort of put not just that studio, but visual effects kind of in the popular consciousness. And to sort of see them kind of get back into that zone again is exciting. You know, so um, but 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 I would concur. I, I, to me, it's probably those two. Uh, like larger companies that I'm most excited to see. I think, I think one of the things that's also sort of interesting, which we haven't really mentioned, and maybe we don't want to get super heavy into this, but um, you talked about how uh, a number of the shows here, um, Captain America, uh, Apes and Interstellar, um, these three shows really come from essentially like a singular um, effects facility. And in previous years, um, it was much more sort of the smorgasbord uh, sort of uh, setup. But, you know, part of that might be due also to, in fact, uh, to the um, the uh, closing of a number of facilities as well, or the, um, uh, you know, shutting down of some of the larger like uh, facilities who previously we might have seen on this list in that same um, uh, fashion. Yeah, I guess I think um I think if anything a shutting down of like a, like the the vibe is that that we're losing uh effect stuff to overseas in inverted commas. Of course I am overseas, so that's a bit ironic in saying that. And um and so it's dispersing around the world and so yeah, of course one of these is London, one of these is New Zealand, one of these is America, so that is true to an extent, but it's I'm not I'm actually really not pulling down any opinion on the what it says about the industry so much as just observing the fact that three of the five feel like they have a dominant house. Now, Todd has pointed out, and I completely agree, Guardians doesn't suffer because it isn't like that. It's not a comment on the quality of the film or even whether it should win or not. It's just interesting uh, to note that we haven't ended up in a world where all the films that get in the VFX nomination list are done by you know, a dozen companies, because that's the only way you can make a film these days. And the shot count is obviously very high on all of these films. Um, Todd, I'm wondering for you, if you could comment on something for me, the thing about the Predictinator is that when you were developing it, and I've spoken to you about this before, you mm -hmm. obviously, you know, had to um, model what would work. So before you started predicting, you looked at what films had won and then tried to work out kind of an equation of things that would influence it. Like we've already mentioned the month of release, right? It's, it's, you know, it's out too early. It's going to like not get the same juice as if it's out later. The thing right. is though, that, that um, is always going to work rather well for the first few years. But if there is a, a generational shift, a longer term trend, if the Academy is bending from one opinion to another, at some point, the predictinator will be off simply because the ground's moved under its feet. Because you don't rejig the equation each year, do you? No, we don't. We we are have been using the same equation, starting with the data from 1989, which basically, to me, started the digital revolution. I mean, that was the year that the Abyss won the Oscar. The suit, particularly because of all of the amazing work, but the pseudopod yeah. uh, sequence is what people remember about the Abyss, and it was a true how did they do that moment. 
And so one of the conceits of the Predictinator is that digital, uh, well, this is a new digital age, and digital characters play a large part in how the formula is, is calculated. The very existence of digital characters and particularly fuzzy, <laughs> uh, friendly digital characters that uh, act, that emote, um, play a big role in who wins the Oscar for visual effects. But to your point, we might be moving out of this era. We might be in a, an era that digital characters have become so ubiquitous that it's not as special as it is anymore. And maybe that's just me um, protecting myself if <laughs> Guardian does not win and it's going to be one of the the films that we talked about maybe my you know we the formula has run its course and maybe it you know this this uh, epoch is ending and there's a different set or at least a different uh weighting of the different um c criteria that we have uh yeah. that we need to address uh in i this mean formula. for example it could be i'm not saying it is but it could be that if you had a well, we just accept you can do anything with digital characters now. That's a given. That would basically negate the juice that Dawn and Guardians got from that category. And then if there was a simultaneous, oh, my God, it's so great to see someone going old school in this age of digital, Interstellar could get a bump up. And that 5.43 could suddenly be a winning score because if you take right. out acting and don't have a, something that factors in a... Uh, retro, um, you know, good old days of getting models and blowing them up for real. Thank God we got, finally got that as a as a part of the equation. Interstellar right. could romp it in and we'd all be sitting right. here going, we didn't see that coming. I mean, they last year, I'm right last year, wasn't it? It was um, Lone Ranger really pushed at the bake-off that they'd done stuff with uh, miniatures. And certainly Interstellar, we mm -hmm. covered on FX Guide for these very large scale miniatures. I'm not saying that that's what the Academy's going for, but if they suddenly got all retro and, yeah. you know, teary eyed for effects where you could walk around and look at them on a soundstage, Interstellar would be off to the, to the races. Right. I, and, but I, you know, I also wonder if the, the normal average Academy voter, you know, we talked about visual effects, houses, and maybe even techniques. I think that plays uh, not very, you know, not a very important part of how they vote. Um, you know, a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people since I published the article, and and oh, there's a there's a you know ILM bias, or there's a you know ILM's had as enough Oscars, or what you know they have a they have a thing for double negative or whatever. Academy voters don't have any idea who is making these visual effects. Yeah. There's there's no bias there at all. You know, but and, and to to the point of things have changed, you know, in the last few years, you know, we finally four years ago uh, got five actual nominees for visual effects. You know, we had been, you know, begging and pleading for that for years. So that combined with the uh, up to 10 uh, nominees for best picture. You know, the Academy has changed their the playbook a little bit, and maybe these last few years, things have changed. I mean, if you look at the films that have won the Oscar the last few years, uh, Gravity, Life of Pi, Hugo, and Inception, and Avatar, and Benjamin Button, these are not the same movies that were winning the visual effects Oscar in the 80s and 90s, where you had a lot of giant big spectacle spider-man lord of the rings uh you know titanic and 
uh, Jurassic Park. These are different movies. These are usually um, more prestige-driven. I mean, yes, I do account for that with Academy Award nominations, but these are non-franchise, you know, tentpole films that are winning, and which, which you know, may, really makes me think that maybe we're just entering a different world and uh, of Academy voting, and they're, they're, maybe they're just tired of. Uh, putting the the next big blockbuster up there, but you know, again, I might just be protecting myself <laughs> for <laughs> the predictor being wrong. I mean, the, the predictor can't be wrong in the sense that it is saying where we've been going based on where we've been, but it's not polling. It would be wrong if you were polling Academy members, as in like an election, and you got your polling wrong. And so, what you were saying you were getting from people this year isn't what they did at the box office vote, or sorry, the ballot vote. That would be getting it wrong. The predictor can only say, given past performance, yes. this is the direction that you would expect the Academy to go in. If the Academy goes in a different direction to that, I would say, I mean, obviously, you'll, you'll be accused of being wrong. But I wouldn't say you're so much wrong as it is. We're just, no, but seriously, we would be like literally learning something new about yes. where the you know the sort of the headspace was at and whether or not that is as you say a bit of a change of of how visual effects are even perceived and you wouldn't be wrong to think that we maybe were due for a change in the way visual effects were perceived because i can remember when we were starting out i was on set once in the early days and we were putting up all these dots and this and green screen and the director just laughed at me and said yeah right like we're going to have in the future stages with lots of green everywhere and dots everywhere like <laughs> like it was a joke right like yeah like that's the future and i was like yeah actually it is <laughs> being a little bit of an arrogant sort of sod and um the thing is you know like uh, nowadays it's not like when you're working with crew today they don't treat visual effects like oh you bloody visual effects guys they're the ones suggesting stuff that might help visual effects because they've been on enough films that they know and they're coming up with really great ideas to help with a green screen or whatever it is or or whatever practical thing that you could set up and they understand what can be removed it's it's a lot less the geek in the corner the boffin over there as it is you know we want to work together to kind of get this to happen um i i just feel it wouldn't be totally without precedent that basically visual effects started being viewed uh, especially how widespread they are throughout almost every single film, mm-hmm. um, differently than they were back in the day when there was only a small number. I mean, I was talking to uh, Don Shea because he's finished up at Cinefix as the publisher, and mm-hmm. Don was saying when they started out with Cinefix, they were hard pushed to find a number enough films to actually mm-hmm. fill the magazine. Um, you know, that was a, a, such a different era from today when try and find a film that doesn't have visual effects. Right. Um, so what someone might deem to be visual effects today might be, uh, retro. It could also be that they actually, the audience is just, uh, they're, sorry, the, the, um, voting, uh, Academy members are literally better informed as to what is or is not good visual effects. I think I started by asking you this point, Matt, and I don't think we really got to it, but I think mm. the Academy does reward originality as much as they reward anything else. They like to see something new, um, when they're voting and Todd, I don't know that you have a specific newness thing. Do you like originality? No, no, because I, you know, we, we thought about that. How, how would we quantify that? Uh, we, we couldn't come up with a, uh, a way to, I, I totally know what you mean. A something fresh, something different, something we've never seen before. I, 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 we could not come up with a fair way to quantify that. 
without getting extremely controversial. Um, and I don't know that we have that this year, but I think if if you were to look at Benjamin Button, there was a there was a lot of feeling of this was an important film for its place in movie history because it was remarkably uh, an advance. The Abyss was a remarkable advance. Jurassic Park was a remarkable advance, and and that did figure. So again, I mean, we can't put the entire. <laughs> weight of uh, the complexity of uh, the universe of visual effects just on the predictinator's shoulders. But, you know, there's a lot <laughs> that we're asking for it to be uh, 100% accurate. It, it is I interesting, agree. though, going back and looking <laughs> at, you know, the, the, the last, both from the sort of 2000s, but even going back further, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page for the visual effects Oscar, sort of refreshing my memory to see, like, okay, what won what year. And, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like there is an element of, um, just in a really vague way, maybe now it's maybe power of suggestion, but, you know, Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, um, you know, Babe, uh, things that, What Dreams May Come, you know, kind of really strange, um, not strange, but I mean, just different kinds of films. And then when we were talking about earlier too, Golden Compass, uh, Benjamin Button, even Avatar, you know, uh, in comparison to the films it was up against District 9 and Star Trek in 2009, you know, was original and different um, mm -hmm. in a sense, right? And then Life of Pi a couple of years ago. Yeah, I still don't understand Golden Compass. I think I'm glad those guys won. In, they're nice guys, but I just didn't didn't resonate with me. And am I right in thinking Gump didn't win? Forrest Gump didn't win its Academy Award? No, it did. No, it, it did. It did. It did? Okay. Yeah. Because that was another film that I remember at the time, you know, that whole sense of, uh, oh my God, we could fake anything now. We could, you know, now we could fake a moon landing kind of thing. When I remember that film came out, it had a real sense that compositing had become important and it was doing something uh, new. And I feel like it got the juice for that. Um, well... <laughs> You said that when you were getting ready to publish this, you were nervous. How nervous were you when you were actually publishing it? I believe you um, you took a moment because I certainly I was bugging you to publish before the uh, the holiday weekend in the US, and you were like, "Yeah, I think I'm just going to check a couple of things first. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> Back yeah, off we're going to check our data a few times. Yeah. Well, I, my uh, our little ritual, my wife and I, is that she's the keeper of the uh, spreadsheet that has the formula all built in. And I get all of the uh, data uh, accumulated and put that in a document. And uh, she sits at her computer with Excel open, and I read off each film and what the point values were for the Rotten Tomato meter and what the box office was and how many Academy Award nominations. And we go through fi each film and do um, uh, each of their data points. And she could see the, the, the point values update in real time right in front of her just you know, like a regular spreadsheet so we're, we're of course doing it in alphabetical order we start with captain america we go on to planet of the apes then guardians of the galaxy and after i did guardians of the galaxy we entered the last bit of data she saw what its uh number would be and she goes huh <laughs> and, I, and i'm sitting here i'm like what does that mean? She's usually pretty quiet. <laughs> you know, we, of course, had been talking about this for you know a long time beforehand, uh, mainly our discussions around apes and interstellar. So then we do the uh, the rest of the films, uh, interstellar and X-Men, and then she, she pulls me over and she says, you're not going to believe this. This is not at all what we were expecting. Hmm. You know, the whole time I had been, you know, sitting there going, oh, yeah, I... I 
oh, Matthew McConaughey was the star of Interstellar. He's the only lead actor of any of the five films that has won an Oscar. That's a data point on our formula. Oh, it's going to be either Interstellar or Apes. It's going to be a tie between those two. And that was where my anxiety lied. But, uh, yeah, we were we were a little surprised about the, the Guardian's number. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I, I this is completely separate, but if I... If you told me that there was, uh, well, you sort of hinted that there was a surprise, I was thinking, oh, you know, he hasn't factored in. He hasn't factored in whether people like the director because <laughs> I've always felt that the director has a, a play on visual effects in a way that makes no logical sense. I mean, I think Hugo gained credibility from Scorsese that, you know, gave it some juice that it wouldn't have got if that film had been by... Um, some other director. Yeah. Well, I think I factor that a little bit with the additional Academy Award nominations. In previous years, you know, with Gravity and Life of Pi and Hugo and Inception and Avatar and Benjamin Button, by far and away, all of those winners had a ton of Academy Award nominations while the competition barely had any. They were also nominated for like Best Actor or Cinematography, you know, uh, many others, including Best Picture. The last, um, I think it's like six VFX nominated or winning films were all nominated for Best Picture. This year, we don't really have a runaway. We've got Interstellar with five Academy Award nominations and the rest and none of them for Best Picture. So there's no like critical darling uh, amongst the, the visual effects uh, nominees that can, you know, ride the wave of, of momentum of an Oscar campaign that was extremely heavy for Gravity and Life of Pi and Hugo. So that's, that's another reason why this year is really weird. Just while we're on that, and there's a complete rat hole, do you have any personal guesses on Best Picture? Well, you know, we, we, t- we talk a lot about momentum, you know, in, the, in its first weekend, American Sniper has now earned 70, more, 70 billion trillion gazillion yeah, dollars. Yeah, no. it's earned more than all of the other Best Picture winners combined. Now, if the vote had been uh, taken place just when, you know, the nominations were released and maybe that would be maybe that vote would have been different. If, you know, then say two weeks from now, three weeks from now, with now American Sniper being a runaway blockbuster. I, I don't know. I mean, Birdman seems to have a lot of momentum. Birdman's um, a very interesting film. I've got to say, Theory of Everything is a remarkable film and uh, Imitation Game. I enjoyed all of those. I thought Boyhood was incredibly brave filmmaking. I mean, you know, there's a good set of films up there. But yeah, American Sniper with Clint Eastwood. I mean, he's he's Hollywood royalty, isn't he? He's beyond royalty. He's like, you know, he's the Pope of kind of. He yeah, just couldn't he's get like, a, he's a more like revered. Iconic. Yeah. I, I but mean, if you had asked me who would he's win the best Matt picture, Wallen of, uh, of <laughs> but <laughs> seriously, my guess for best picture w- would have been completely different uh, uh, when the nominations were announced what than say just before. Uh, I would have said probably Birdman. Um, just for momentum and how many other nominations it got. But uh, boy, you know, as the weeks go on and the more money American Sniper makes, I think it's going to sway Academy voters. And I think they're going to, maybe they're going to vote for it and it'll win Mm. Best Picture. What do you think, Matt? 
I I think it's it's a really unusual year um, in a lot of ways, uh, even in the best picture category um, in that I think some of the films that came out later in the year that were sort of maybe expected to be these kind of, you know, sweeping grand, you know, nine Academy Award nomination films um, didn't really deliver in the way that I think people maybe imagined they might. And I think I would put um, Interstellar in that category and Unbroken, I think the big um, mm -hmm. uh, other big film that I think people were sort of expecting, which, by the way, did also have some awesome visual effects in yep. it as well. But but um, good film. Yeah, uh, I, I you know, I, I really think the uh, the film to beat for a number of reasons is um, is Boyhood. I feel like Boyhood is going to be. Mm -hmm. See, it's going to be uh, the one to beat. The only thing I'd say feel, is the theory of everything. I mean, I haven't seen Whiplash, so in fairness, I, I should declare that. But theory of everything has some of the most remarkable acting I've ever seen. I mean, mm. uh, I was just, it was jaw-dropping how well that was acted and how physically difficult that acting seemed to be. I mean, I think a lot of the films had great acting in it. And, uh, but, and I, I, you know, again, I like them, so many of them, but. Uh, yeah, it isn't an it isn't a slam dunk. Um, apart from this American Sniper huge popularity, but then I would say Todd popularity doesn't normally earn you Best Picture. Popularity, you know, I mean, you don't see an Avengers ever up for Best Picture. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know Hot Tub Two is unlikely to score, um, no matter how well it goes at the box office. So yeah, uh, and, cra and crazy as it is, I mean, as as I think there were eight nominees for Best Picture this year. But even films like um, that were really well regarded, Foxcatcher and Nightcrawler, yep. not getting yep. Best Picture nominations. Um, it was a pretty good year. It's so easy to, you know, talking about cynicism, it's so easy to go, oh, this is another terrible year in movies. Uh, no, there's, no, there's a lot of good work there's out there. There's a lot there, of great stuff this year. There's, yeah. there's, there's stuff to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the range of stuff from historical to... I mean, look, some of the Birdman cinematography is incredibly brave. It's just not the sort of stuff that um, you know, is the easy way out. Boyhood has got to be the hardest film anyone's ever made to make. No. Um, what a dedicated uh, bunch of filmmakers. So there's a lot of things and that I, could be rewarding. I was just going to concur, too, with what you said earlier, too, about Imitation Game. I saw that. I actually went with my wife, and we took our 11-year-old son because he's a huge... He's like a Benedict Cumberbatch like fanboy. He's mm. he loves Sherlock Holmes and he loves the Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan or whatever that was called the, yep. the Star Trek Two, the one with the Cumberbatch in it. So we took him to see that, thinking I knew what the story was, and I thought, well, he's I think he's probably you know mature enough, old enough to kind of get into it. And he was without question the only uh, one in his peer group in the theater, but he was uh, into it. He watched the whole thing. And he's like, so that guy helped create computers and i'm like yeah yeah pretty much and he's like and they were so mean to him you know and it, he totally got it and he dug it and i just thought it was that's a hmm. that was a great picture this year i my, really my thought it was aunt, pretty awesome yeah my aunt actually was at bletchley as a one of the women in the, oh really the huts doing hmm. yeah so she knew what was going on though she wasn't in the uh, inner circle that of course was doing code breaking that uh, that's in the film but so i i know that story inside out and have for, for many many years um so i've got a personal whatever but I think cool. I think that you could say that it's like at least you know I mean as I say probably almost every one of them has something about it that uh, is remarkable. The art direction and the sort of general look of Grand Budapest is uh, 
you know, a lot of people I know really liked the feel and look of that film. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what wins. But back in visual effects, I think we'd have to say, uh, as we do every year, and I think I mentioned this earlier, it is, without a doubt, an incredible, serious, totally, we're not saying this as a second place thing, to be nominated. Like, to be nominated is your oh, peers totally. saying this is the one. Now, who wins after that? Uh, apparently, you're more likely to make money if you don't win. Uh, apparently, the theory goes that if you win the uh, VFX Oscar, everyone thinks you're really expensive and... Uh, and, uh, you know, you, they go for the person that didn't win and uh, they're the ones that get the phone calls because you're hungry and you're really talented, but you didn't win. And so, so maybe... Well, and you, the, hope, you hope you don't win and then have to declare bankruptcy too. Uh, yeah, that's the point, yeah. Hey, well, uh, real quick though, Mike, did you mention what you thought would be a best picture? Oh, you did. Yeah. Which you said, imitation, no, theory no, of everything. I, I was saying that, uh, I think I didn't, I think that... Hmm, I think Todd's right. It could well be American Sniper. I personally would give it to the theory of everything because the acting in that film um, just floored gotcha. me. Gotcha, okay. And I tend to, you know, I find it really hard splitting the hairs between directing, acting, and best picture. You know, like when they sort of don't give a director a nomination for best and they give the film best picture, I'm like, how did that work? Like it's a very <laughs> yeah. collaborative yeah. meeting. We all know it is, right? And... You know, it's very much a combination of the filmmakers working with the actors, working with the director to make something come off. But, um, yeah, as much as I liked Imitation Game and a bunch of those other films, uh, Theory of Everything really moved me. And uh, I think those actors have just done spectacular work. So, anyway, any of those films are going to be up. But, uh, yeah, when it comes back to visual effects, I'm still putting my money on apes. I, th I have faith. <laughs> that I know better than the maths that uh, my good friend Todd has uh, and his wife have so carefully worked out and been successful in every other year. <laughs> are you moving your position, Matt, or are you just going to go with uh, with Todd? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the predictionator this year. I, I kind of I kind of feel like when I when I saw the result, I know you said Todd, you were sort of surprised and your wife was surprised, but when I when I saw uh, the posting, I was like, oh. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it seemed correct to me. So, yeah. I got a lot of feedback since I uh, published the piece, and a lot of the VFXers, when I talked to VFXers, they, it was split pretty much down the middle. The half, half the people were like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I thought it would be either Apes or Interstellar. The other half were like, yeah, oh, yeah, Guardians. Oh, totally has it. And then amongst like the normals, people not in the film industry, not in visual effects, I would talk to them about it and uh, they would say, oh yeah, oh yeah, of those films? Oh, Guardians. Oh yeah, it was totally my favorite movie out of those five. <laughs> the normals. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not voting for favorite film. Okay, sorry. Okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> You know, no, seriously, it is really like voting for best wardrobe based on which period drama you like the most, right? Like you can't do good costume unless you're doing it as a period drama. It's exactly the same for me as voting for the, your favorite film for visual effects. Well, that's not the category. It's not favorite film. It's best visual effects. Anyway, that's my pet. Well, you know, I, maybe this is a tangent, but it's a, it's a sports metaphor. You know, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm used to being disappointed. <laughs> so... Um, there was a year where the Cubs were in last place. We, we finished in an absolute last place. We were in the, the basement. But we had a player named Andre Dawson 
who was one of our outfielders who had an absolutely stellar year, and he had so many home runs and so many RBIs, and he actually won most valuable player uh, for the National League of that year. And a lot of people questioned, like, how could uh, a, a player win MVP of a last place team? And a lot of people, you know, basically, you know, decided and, and thought through it and went, you know, it's the most valuable player of that team. And he was an absolute standout uh, from uh, individual achievement. And he did the best he could to help out his team. And he won. Now, that's maybe a certain amount of justice. They didn't wasn't just the, pick a guy wasn't from the, the theory, guy in first place. Yeah, wasn't the theory there that it's easier to stand out from a bunch of losers? Sorry, I'm not going to show that. Well, but <laughs> if everybody's going really well and you're winning, it's hard to stand out from the crowd. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave that alone. Um, luckily, there's a large amount of distance between California and Sydney. Todd, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we should uh, direct people to your actual site. So if you could give us your URL for people who want to look it up and, and uh, check it out personally. Sure. It's uh, fxrant.blogspot.com. And uh, as always, uh, when Todd's on the show, his views are just his alone, nothing to do with the company that he may or may not work for or the team that he may or may not be be batting with um go cubs <laughs> matt what about you sir <laughs> oh yeah you, you guys can always find me uh, at mattwallen.com uh, there's links to all things me there it's been a little quiet there lately as the uh semester is uh in full swing here and i've got a uh, a crazy new class this semester i'm teaching uh which is uh, 3d printing for fashion design which Ooh, is wow. uh, kind of fun and weird very cool <laughs> Uh, I'm heading over to the SciTech Oscars, uh, so looking forward to that enormously. So we'll be doing sort of coverage from there. We've got a bunch of really good articles coming out about stuff uh, at the SciTech. So we'll be explaining the ins and outs of things like Barbershop, uh, why UCAP was so important, what MOVA means, and uh, how it's uh, moving forward, as well as stuff that uh, in the other categories that have been singled out for the tremendous work done in the science and technical side of the Academy Awards. This has, of course, been a show about the Visual Effects Oscar, but uh, the Academy is the Academy of Arts and Sciences, and the Science Society is something that we really don't neglect over at FX Guide. So if you're like me and actually I think the real heroes of the exercise of the TDs and the guys that work out uh, the code, then keep an eye on FX Guide as we try to run through and give you some really in-depth info. And in fact, <laughs> I was talking to one of the uh, recipients. I said, well, nobody's actually explained what you do yet, so I'm going to try and do that. And they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how I go. Uh, anyway, that's all coming up on FX Guide. And of course, I am Mike Seymour on um, Twitter. Todd, thank you so much. And can you thank your wife on our behalf? I guess we should have her on one year and, and here, here. Uh, with you. But uh, I don't want to be accused of uh, promoting the already male bias in the visual effects industry. Any longer. She's the brains of the outfit. Uh, and Matt, again, as, as always, my friend, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. And we want to thank uh, Todd, who is our producer, who looks after our research notes and produces so much stuff for us. Um, Ian, who uh, helps with organizing it. Uh, Jim and the team that uh, uh, David and stuff who do the editing, put the show together. It's a team effort, obviously, here at FX. I want to thank all of them. They're all invaluable. I don't thank them each week, um, but I should. And I want to thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having a really good uh, 2015. Talk to you guys later. Any questions or comments, please email us at vfx at fxguide.com. Copyright 2012, FX Guide, LLC.